You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to grow with, to, to connect with prospects, generate content, and grow brand awareness. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Susan Tormolan. Susan is VP of Marketing at PlanHub, which is a cloud-based pre-construction platform for the construction industry. Susan, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. All right. You ready to jump in? Let's jump in. This is one of my favorite topics. All right. And so our topic today is creating state-of-the-industry reports. And I love this topic, too, because it seems to me like this is the kind of content that really can get a lot of attention, that really has a lot of value. But whenever I download one of these things and look at it, I'm just like, wow, it must have taken a big lift to create this. You know, really valuable content, but not easy to create. So first, let's start with why is this kind of content so popular? What is the value of a state of industry type report? Right. I think the value is is there's multiple layers to it. I mean, the value to the people who read it is everybody is interested in what's going on in their industry, right? What are the trends? Are they the same as the rest of the industry? Are they different? What should they prepare for? So from a consumer standpoint, consumer as in the person that reads it, it's valuable. And it's one of the top types of content that people will download or they'll attend a webinar for. From the brand standpoint, though, it's thought leadership. It takes you out of that, I'm just selling you stuff, to I actually have a pulse. I know what's going on. I know what you're feeling. I am a leader in the space. And then there's that third attribute, which is that the media is always hungry for research, information, Mm. data, whether it's validating what they've already been reporting on, and here's another proof proof point, or whether it's maybe a different angle that they hadn't looked at before. So it gives them something new to talk about. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So there, so just a lot of value packed into this kind of content. Like a, a win-win for everybody, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. it, it, it's what we're all hungry for, whether it's silly things like those, I don't know, self girly magazines, you know, am I a dateable Amazon or am <laughs> I a studious whatever? I mean, we started really young liking these kinds of things. And then as professionals, I mean, it makes us better at our jobs if we too have a pulse on what's going on. Yeah. Something that you can kind of look through in maybe 15, 20 minutes and come away feeling like, okay, cool. I have a much better understanding of what's going on in this industry. Got some data points I can take away. You're right. Everyone likes this kind of content because it serves so many purposes. Now, now you you guys at PlanHub, you put together this state of the industry. So tell us a little bit about the report that you put out. Right. And this one is actually a little more niche than state of the industry, where we're we're really looking at the trends that are happening in certain states and certain trades. Because mm. we have hundreds of thousands of professionals that use our platform in the construction industry. So we have a lot of data and a lot of insight on which trades are thriving, which trades are changing, which states are facing different things. There's going to be some other things in the state of the industry report as well, but that's really the focus this year. And it'll be Mm -hmm. very beneficial to general contractors who are wondering, why am I having trouble finding certain trades? Or to people who are an electrician or a plumber 
understanding, you know, do they need to be more competitive? Do they have an upper hand? What's happening in their areas, in their marketplaces? Did I answer that question? All of a sudden, I've forgotten. Yeah, no, 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 you did. I was, I was, you know, asking what you guys are working on. Right. And I mean, and that, and that sounds awesome. I mean, for anyone in the construction industry, like in your state or in your particular, you know, part of it to have this kind of report. So I right. totally get why, why you're doing that. From the outside, it seems like a big lift for a marketing team to put together something with so many moving parts and pieces. Take us inside, take us through the process, starting from, you know, zero. Like, how do you put one of these things together? What goes into it? Right. And I will say, I've also done state of the industry reports in other industries. So mm-hmm. I was in vacation rental industry for a long time. Okay. And we did a state of the industry report too. But that one was less data-driven, and it was more input from experts-driven. So there's two different ways. And the first way you start with is what information do you have to share? What's important to your industry, your target audience? And then how are you able to get information that that person can't, that a customer can't, that a prospect can't? In the case of PlanHub, Because we have this platform that has so many people on it and so much data, we are able to see trends. We're able to see things changing just from having that much data. And so we're looking at it all the time because that helps us just understand the market. But when we're looking at it, sometimes there's those ahas like, hey, this is interesting. Ooh, that's a little different. And, and those, those resonate and those come to the top. And then we start saying, which ones of these are important to everybody? On the other side, if, if we're thinking of like an industry report I did where it wasn't as data-driven, uh, I worked at HomeAway, which is now Verbo, which is part of Expedia. And as part of our business, we were partners with all kinds of different companies, all kinds of different experts. So we were able to then reach out to all these experts that the average vacation property manager would never have had access to mm-hmm. and say, what trend are you seeing in your space? whether it was security or AI or reservations or whatever it might be. And they usually had data that they had, and we could pull it into a massive report that we could then share with hundreds of thousands of people. So there's different ways to get the content. The third way, which you almost always do, is do a survey, whether it's of your customer base or broader, because that adds more voice to the stories. Mm -hmm. Well, I might say, oh, I see trend A. But then when Jim in Detroit also verifies that he sees trend A or that he has a problem yeah. that this could solve, it brings the, the content into a more human form. So it's not just, you know, we all know those data analyst companies that send out their data analyst reports. But when you start adding in some other data from research like customer research, it, ju- it just brings the whole thing together. Yeah. Okay. Now, you guys, as you mentioned, you guys are kind of uniquely situated, right? Because you have this platform that gives you a lot of data about the construction industry. Okay. So, but as you mentioned, for companies that maybe don't, aren't positioned that way, there are other ways to collect data anecdotally, talking to customers, prospects, other industry experts, and so on. Because I see this a lot, you know, I'm in technology, I work with startups. And I see this a lot with the smallest startups, especially the really good ones, is they have a point of view. And so they Mm -hmm. may just take their point of view and substantiate it with all kinds of available industry reports and data from other people. 
And so they Mm -hmm. might bring in all kinds of third-party data in a way that tells a story that supports their point of view and is also helpful to the market. So you Mm -hmm. can do these reports even if you don't have your own data. You may not get as much media play from it, right? If you're gathering a bunch of other stuff, but you still have something that's valuable to your audience. You still have something that is valuable to your brand. Okay, right. And now this is typically the kind of publication you would put out once a year, right? Correct. Okay. And how long does it take from start to finish to create something like this in in your experience? It's better to take two months, three months. (laughs) It can be done in six weeks, depending on what data you have, how available it is. If you're a company that can do a survey and get 300 responses back in, in 72 hours, that gives you a much better start than if you're a small company and you're trying to gather all kinds of data that you don't have. So mm-hmm. I, I think it just depends. I mean, I'd love to take three months. I never have. I'd say normally it's a two-month, six-week process. Okay. I actually would have guessed maybe it takes longer just because like these things are, you know, could be seven, eight, ten pages long sometimes. It's a lot. Have it, and and it, I guess it could be. I guess it depends what industry you're in. But in technology, we never have that time, right? right we're not okay. not in June thinking about our end of the the year report. I'm sure either larger companies or more different industries are. The thing is, too, is once we once you start it, then it can become an annual thing, which means you may not right. wait until six weeks beforehand or eight weeks beforehand. Because you're gathering things all year round because you know this is coming next. And you almost have a template to work from. And you also have a comparison. In 2021, we reported this. And in 2022, we're seeing that. So it also gets easier as the more you repeat the same kind of industry report. Right. Okay. And as you said, you have a template now that you can kind of pop things into. So what have you learned having having done a bunch of these? What have you learned about kind of how to package the information? What tends to work best? A lot of these reports, just in in the ones I've seen, small sample size, seem to look kind of similar. They have the charts and graphs and the different graphic design and layout. So there seems to be kind of a way to do these. But what have you learned about in terms of the graphic design, in terms of how you, the tone of voice you adopt? You know, what seems to actually sell this information the best. Right. Well, I think it always depends on who your who your audience is. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the vacation rental industry, I would never have sent out one that was just, you know, that looked like a, a consulting company. I mean, mm-hmm. and and those people certainly read those reports, but it's a, it's a pretty industry, right? We had lots of visuals of vacation homes and rentals right. and things interspersed. It was more colorful. The one we're still actually designing ours because we're in that last stage right now. But I know when we're going to, when this goes live, it'll be out and ready. That one will have probably less pretty pictures, but it's going to have sound bites. And sound bites Mm. are always important because nobody really reads, right? At least not the first pass. They skim and they find what, what is the call out? What is the quote from a customer? What is the graph I can see? And what, what can I take away from? Right. The executive summary on the front page is the most important thing, because if you don't capture everything there, nobody's going to go further into it. So I think to summarize, your audience matters. Making it simple to scan for most audiences is important. 
and making it feel like both your brand and and the industry you're serving is going to make it more enjoyable read, I think, for most people. Mm, okay. Is it, am, am I right that the graphic design matters more for this kind of content than it might for, I don't know, like a blog post or, you know, some Definitely. Just, yeah, just because I like when I read a blog post, I don't really care about the images so much. Right. There's not a lot of design. But for something like this, if it's weirdly designed or poorly designed, I tend to really notice it. And I'm not a design person. And right. when it's nicely designed, I'm like, ooh, this looks nice. Like, am I am I right about that? Yeah, I think once again, it goes back to that that scannability. If it's mm. a bunch of words on a page and a chart that looks like an accountant's chart, People are going to, and they're going to come inside, right? But if it it has something that catches their eye and also tells the story with those visuals. Oh, I get point A. Now I see, you know, some quote that makes sense. Now I see a chart that adds up. I mean, you are trying to tell the story. Um, Lists are always really good. Infographic-y type graphics are good. Mm -hmm. And those are also the ones, the whole, I don't want to say the whole point, but the value of doing these reports is that they have a long lifetime. When I was at HomeAway, our industry report was still our most downloaded content piece in September, which Mm. was what, 10 months after it had been published. Mm -hmm. So people, it doesn't lose its life for quite a while. So you Mm -hmm. also take pieces and parts. You're going to take one of the charts and put it in social media. Maybe you're going to do a presentation at a conference and you take a couple of the charts you build and put them in as part of your presentation. So the the reusing of the different pieces and parts is a big value to investing in one of these. Okay. And I imagine part of the planning process is knowing that and saying, okay, we're going to design this with the idea of using, breaking it down into its parts and then right. publishing in different formats. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And your newsletter, you lead with one portion mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. There's so many different ways that you're going to reuse that content and those graphics. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So- What's the main takeaway, do you think, for marketing teams that you know are embarking on this for the first time? Yeah, I think the most important thing is understand what is your objective. And, and you might have two objectives. Our obje- usually your objective is to be a thought leader, but your other objective is to get leads, to get emails. That's why you put it gated on your content or to have something interesting at a conference. Or it might be for PR. We're going to share information that's going to get us some articles, some stories, some validity. So you really have to know what your goal is. And quite frankly, usually it's all of those. You want to start with that. You want to start with what do you have to share that's of value? So that in typical marketing, what does the customer care about, right? And then what are you uniquely able to provide? Whether it's through your connections, like when I was at HomeAway and we had access to all these experts that our audience might not have had access to, whether it's at Plan Hub where we have data that that we can see that the average, you know, a general contractor could be a big company with 200 employees, but are they going to have access to all the data that we have? They're going to have different sources, but this could still be really valuable. And certainly to a plumbing company that has 20 employees in Detroit, this is going to offer insights that they would never be able to access through their own knowledge system mm-hmm. data. Now, it may reinforce what they already know, but it, once again, it's mm-hmm. reinforcing it through data. So I think that's the other part is, is understanding what you can uniquely bring. And then that third part, like I mentioned, with small companies that don't have data, may not have all those connections, it's what's your point of view? Do you have mm-hmm. a story to tell 
that you believe strongly in that you think the market and your audience should know. So it goes back to that, really. What What is it that you have that's of value? Yep, 100%. Okay, well, I actually have one final question for you, right. for real, which is, how can people connect with you? People can connect with me on LinkedIn, Susan Tormolin, easy to find, love to connect, love to talk marketing, content. I also have a passion for women over 50 starting businesses. So connect with me on any of those topics. And I would love that. Okay, wonderful. Well, listeners, we will put a link to Susan's LinkedIn in the show notes. So definitely reach out. And Susan, thank you so much for your time for a really uh, engaging discussion. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. This was fun. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.